Father, I thank you so much for your truth. And I thank you for the way that you just move in and change everything. Bring us the best, Father, in exchange for those worthless places, those things in our life that are broken, that are shattered, that have come to nothing. Father, there's something beautiful that waits in you. So, Lord, I just ask that you be in this place today, Father, that you would minister to your people as only you can. Lord, I thank you that you have a plan, and I don't want to get in your way. So, Lord, let everything that is of me fall away and be forgotten. But everything that is from you, let it stand and produce fruit consistent with righteousness in our lives, Lord. Only you can change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. He's so faithful. We are going to go ahead and get straight into the Word. If you would stand with me, we're going to read a passage out of Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So let it be, Lord. So let it be. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And that is, in case you didn't know, that is what the word amen means. It means I'm in agreement with that. So let it be. So at any time in this teaching, should the Lord impress on your spirit and you go, I'm, I'm in agreement with that. Instead of amen, just shout, so let, no, don't. (laughs) Go, girl, that in the Hebrew means. (laughs) God is so good. We are, as, as many have shared this morning, we are into the Refiner series. And I have to be really honest with you, when they start, um, Singing that song, I want to be tried by fire, I find myself skipping that line. (laughs) Fire hurts. Um, But one of the beautiful things that happens when we do go through something is that um, the end product of fire is ashes. And we know from this passage of Scripture that God, there's something about those places in our life that we think are worthless, that God could never do anything with, that he steps in and does something with. So nothing is wasted in him. I just want to ask you for a moment, have any of you ever been hurt? (laughs) Okay. Anybody ever been wounded? Anybody ever been done wrong? (laughs) Has anybody ever had a bad day, a down moment? (laughs) Maybe experienced sadness or depression or like this day really stinks, Lord. Some of you have both hands. Go ahead and praise Jesus while you're there. (laughs) Because that's who this passage of Scripture is talking to. It's talking to those of us who have experienced a tad of the downside of life. You know, just a little bit. And he's 
speaking to, well, I mean, he's speaking to those who grieve in Zion too, but it's carrying forward because God wants us to know that though we go through these things and we experience these moments in our life that we really think are going to take us out, we're not supposed to live there. We're not supposed to stay there. He wants to bring us out. He wants to bring us out and bring us through. And so this morning, I just want to talk with you a little bit about beauty for ashes. Actually, I I, uh, changed it just a little bit. I hope that's okay. Because as I was studying, I felt like the Lord added a couple of things to that. It's beauty for ashes, beauty for broken places, beauty for scars, and uh, he just took me on this journey, and, and I would love to say that I felt like it was all for you guys. <laughs> but as is so often the case when the Lord's teaching us something, it's like, oh, that hurt. You know, okay, Lord, I get that. I just, and that's kind of what this message has been, is, has just been um, a progression of Jesus speaking and the Holy Spirit speaking in my spirit. So I'm just going to take you where he took me, and hopefully we'll all get there together. The... Um, very first thing I want to share with you is about ashes. Ashes in the Old Testament, in the Bible, they always refer to one of three things. Or Yeah, they always refer to one of three things. They refer to a place of mourning. We know that in those days when somebody was in mourning, when they were grieving, when they were broken, when they had suffered loss, one of the things that they would do is they would spread out the ashes and they would lay in the ashes They would mourn and they would grieve in the ashes. They would put the ashes on their head. And it was basically saying, this thing has almost killed me. This thing has almost taken me out. And they would lay in the ashes in their period of grief and mourning. We saw it in David's life when he lost his son and he went and he mourned. The other thing that is used... Uh, a lot of times it's for repentance. They would go and they would actually do sackcloth and ashes. And for those of you who don't know what sackcloth is, just go get a burlap sack and put it on in the heat. And uh, it will give you an indication (laughs) of what that felt like. Because when they repented, they took it to a place of mourning and grief. It wasn't some of this... It wasn't some of this where we go, oh God, I'm sorry for that, and we go on with our lives. They grieved or they mourned or there was a place of repentance in them and they didn't want to just feel it in their spirit. They wanted their flesh to be affected by it so they would mourn with ashes on their head and and they would wear these, these sackcloth for it. And then the final place was it says, from dust we came, it's the same word, and to dust we shall return. It speaks to our mortality. It speaks to the life that we live and the ending of that life. So when God is using this passage of Scripture and he's saying, beauty, a crown of beauty for ashes, he's going, I am going to speak into all of those places, those places where you thought it would take you out, where you mourned and you cried and you stayed before me until you thought you couldn't stand again. Those places that that just laid you low and you couldn't even raise your head. Those places where maybe you sinned, maybe you hurt somebody, maybe you broke somebody's life and you can't go back and fix it. And the enemy loves to remind you of what you've done to others. It's, you know what? I would rather be hurt than hurt somebody else. 
Because if I can't go back and fix that thing, and sometimes you can't go back and fix what you broke, and that in those places you have to go before the Lord and you have to repent, and you have to go, God, do what I can't do. Heal that person that I broke, that thing that I wounded. Maybe you've never hurt anybody, but I have. And I've had to repent for that because you can't fix what's in the past. And that's part of the message of this, of this whole thing is that we can't fix what's behind us. But what we can do is allow God to take those things and move us forward and do something wonderful. Ashes. <laughs> you know, there's this... The, the ashes are all that's left. Sometimes when you've been consumed. When, when that, that wall of fire has hit you and all that is left is the dust. This isn't about those moments where somebody hurt your feelings and you're just a little bit scorched around the edges. These are the devastating places. The devastating places that you're like, Lord, I could never survive that. And it's those things, it's the remnants of those times and those places in your life that God goes, I want that. I want what's left right here because I'm going to go do something wonderful with it. The problem is sometimes as we get very accustomed to the feel of the ashes, we like them just a little bit. And so somebody can come along and, and touch this bruise in your life. You, you think you're healed and you touch this bruise and all of a sudden you run back to the ashes of all your broken places and forget that God has healed you. And some people are known more by their ashes than by the victories that could have come through them. My daughter, uh, Katie, was about seven or eight years old, and it was when we were doing services with Father Cash. And we did an Ash Wednesday service. And for those of you who don't know, at the end of a Ash Wednesday service, you come forward and the priest puts ashes on your forehead. Um, and so we all lined up and we all got ashes on our forehead and everything. Katie loved those. <laughs> And it wasn't because she was having some spiritual awakening because of the ashes. It was because we went out to eat afterwards and everybody noticed them. It took forever to get that kid to let me wash the ashes off of her forehead. Because she liked the attention that it brought. About a year later, well exactly a year later on Ash Wednesday, we came to service and had regular service, and we go out in the car afterwards, and she is just in a mood. And I'm like, what is your problem? And she went, they did not even give us any ashes this year. <laughs> Sometimes even after the ashes are removed, you miss them. But see, God wants to do something with this. He doesn't want you kind of healed. He wants you set free. He wants you cleansed. He wants you to be able to move beyond that. that that's just a, a, a vague memory. Those things that have happened in your life that God wants to do something and change the outcome. Uh, <laughs> the second thing that he put on my spirit was this whole thing about scars. Scars. You know, in the scripture it talks about, they're actually the word that's used here is actually stigma. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It means um, to be, in those times, um, actually, let me give you this, because it'll help. In Galatians 6, Paul says, I bear on my body 
the scars that say I belong to Christ. It's the same word used there, this word stigma, the marks that we carry that have a testimony that's never released. I was standing next to this young lady uh, back a while ago, and as is the norm, she had her cell phone, and she just kept flipping through these pictures and flipping, and she would do this one thing, and she'd flip again, and they were all pictures of her. <laughs> I get to a picture of me, and I like speed past it, you know, I go, ooh, that was a close one. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but she's doing this, and she's doing the same thing to every picture, and I said, excuse me, can... You know, I'm sure she could have said, would you stop looking over my shoulder? Six feet distance, people. And uh, I said, do you mind if I ask you what you're doing? And she said, I'm editing out my scar. Of every picture, I edit out the scar. And I'm looking at this woman, and I'm going, what scar? What scar? She's like, I hate that scar. And so I go in, and I edit it out of everything and, and I looked, you know, I got the magnifying glass out of my purse. I finally found this little tiny scar on her face. And I'm like, nobody would ever see that, God, except for her. And he said, exactly. But it's all she sees. And sometimes all we see is that one flaw, that one thing that we think is a flaw, that we, we consider to be an imperfection, this thing that has marked us. See, the thing about scars is it goes deeper than just your skin. A scar, uh, back in those times when I used the word stigma, is almost like a tattoo or a brand that could be used. It was used on soldiers, and it was used on servants, and it, would, it was used to go, this is who I belong to. And so when Paul was saying, I bear on my body this stigma that says that I belong to Christ, he was going, every mark you see on me is a testimony of what God has done in my life. Everything you, you see on me is a testimony of what God has done. See, there's a big difference between a wound and a scar. A scar shouts, I have been healed from something that should have taken me out. <laughs> and you know what? The moment that you let somebody touch a scar, you have the opportunity for testimony. The moment that you go, yeah, this happened. Oh, but God, this is so often we, 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 when our scars show, we're embarrassed by them. We're embarrassed by the things that we've gone through rather than going, the enemy tried to take me out. Oh, but God brought me through. Let me tell you about this. If we would begin to... You know what? Society has tried to convince us that our scars mar our perfection, mar our beauty, but there's something so distinctively beautiful about the scars. Your scars are your identifiables. Let's just take it to, the, to now. If a policeman, if you're in a situation, he goes, is there anything distinguishing about the person? Can you give me, tell me about that person? Is there something? Was there an identifying scar? Was there a tattoo? They're identifiable. They testify of what you've gone through. Why we try to hide them and why we try to edit them out of our lives, I have no idea. Because I can tell you, I got a lot of them. And my prayer beyond anything is that God would use them. That he would use them. 
(laughs) I know none of you are under the illusion that I'm perfect. The scars are there, man. And there's not one person in this room that doesn't have any. It's what you allow God to do with them. It's what you allow him to do with them. And and it, it just astounds me. The testimony that God can bring if we will just get real enough to go, yeah, man, I've been through that. We try to pretend we never did drugs. We try to pretend that we never had a wild life. We try to pretend that we were never in the world because Christians somehow were not supposed to accept that. But I have seen your Facebook pages. (laughs) Some of you need to delete some of that stuff. Or add your middle name and start a new page. I'm not real sure. But you know what? God wants to use all of it. Our lives are testimonies to the point that we allow him to. And see, here's the thing. God is omnipotent and he's all-powerful. And yet he still goes, I'll come in as deeply as you'll allow me. And we can invite him in fully and allow him to do the things that he wants to do in our lives. Or we can keep him at an arm's length and only draw him in at those moments when we really need him. That's not the relationship that we want or that we need. See, the, the, the thing is, is I'm, I'm, I'm going through all of this and I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about the ashes and the leftover places and I'm thinking about the scars and the wounds and, and, and Lord, how do we get from here to there? And don't you love when you talk to him and he just answers and speaks to your spirit? But then there's this, this also this other side where he speaks to you and you're like, Lord, that is so random. Then you know it's him then you know it's something that you didn't just come up with. And so I was praying and I said, Lord, so how do we give this to you? How do we take those broken places? Lord, we've heard this message a thousand times. Yes, God can heal our wounds. Yes, God can take those things and and make something beautiful out of them. But, But how do we do that? And it was really my heart's weird desire to be able to give you step one, step two, step three, bam, you're healed. You know, we really like a program. We want something that we can work through, something that we can do to make it happen. But the Lord took me to Genesis 15. And I'm like, Lord, you're really going to speak to me out of the Old Testament? I like the New Testament a lot better. Um, Genesis 15, if if you know Scripture, Genesis 15 is where God steps in and he cuts a covenant with Abraham. And I use the word cut purposely because that's exactly what it was. In those days when you created covenant, when you cut a covenant with someone, there were animal sacrifices. And in this particular case with God and uh, Abraham, they took certain animals, they cut them down the middle, and they would lay half on one side and half on the other. And then the two people in covenant would walk through those broken pieces, and it was basically saying, if I break my word to you, let it be done to me what's been done to these animals. This is how strong my covenant is with you. And the two would join into that, oh, but God. Oh, but God in his grace and his mercy and his goodness, when it came time for Abraham, when it came time to cut that covenant with Abraham, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. And it says that God walked 
through the pieces. <laughs> he went in the, in the form of smoke. He went in, the, uh, the, in the, the form of flame. And he made a covenant based only on what he would do. Aren't you so glad you have a covenant that is based on God's behavior and not yours? Amen. I am so glad. And so God walks through, makes that covenant. He walks through those pieces and covenant is established because only God could do that. And when I was praying about this, God just spoke so clearly to my spirit. And he said, you tell them to rest and let me walk among the pieces. And what I saw is so many of us are trying to gather these things up. We're trying to fix all of these things that we can't fix. We're trying to change the past that we can't change. And God is going, would you just rest and let me do what I do? Because see, the beautiful thing about all of this is is, um, that... You know, you hear beauty from ashes and, and you get this image of, of somebody going, oh, Lord, here, uh, take something and, and you're developing and making something beautiful out of these ashes. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says, I will give you beauty for ashes. It's an exchange. He isn't going to make this beautiful. He's going to make you forget that and put something beautiful in its place. There's an exchange. And you know what that tells me? That tells me that we have a decision to make. That tells me that we get to choose whether or not we are going to release those ashes. We're going to take those scars and allow him to use them. If we're going to allow him to gather up all those broken places in our life. If he, we will allow him, if we will rest enough to allow him to walk through the pieces for a while. That's against our nature. We want something to do. Praise team, if you'll come out. We want something to do. I'm going to give you your assignment. Rest and let him walk. Let him walk. There's a decision to be made. You carry a wounded heart in hand. You've done it now for years. From time to time, you take it out and you mourn and you shed your tears. What should have healed so long ago lays open and bleeding still, for you refuse to lay it down, though often you say you will. Bound tight by cords of bitterness, the pain's a living thing. It consumes your days, it directs your ways like talons in your mind, it clings. Flashes from your past, they play, and you long so to be free. But child, you cannot do alone what must be done by me. Only I can heal your pain and use the scars you hide. It's time to lay all at my feet and forget all that you've tried. Complete and whole is my plan for you. No ties to the wounds of the past. Cease your ups and downs. Walk stable and sure for child, my healing lasts. But there's one thing I'll need from you. And yes, I'm sure you know. If I'm going to take the ashes away, you must first choose to let them go. Ah, Jesus. 